1: What is good everybody welcome into the 73rd Old podcast the official podcast of golf Oklahoma Sam Humphreys Jim Woodward with you today our man T Dub is in the classroom teaching today so he's not with us this morning. But I do have Jim Woodward with us, and we have a very special guest coming up after the break here on the 73rd hole. That would just be the hottest man in the entire game of golf, Victor Hovland, FedEx Cup champion. Definitely stay tuned for that after the break, but we have a bunch of great golf stuff to get into. We have the Walker Cup. We had the European Ryder Cup picks over the weekend. We'll get into that. I hope everybody, by the way, had a great Labor Day weekend. But Woody, I wanted to start off the show. What are you doing right now and who are you with? Well, it's funny you should ask because I was kind of breaking up.
0: I thought maybe I'd lost you. Uh, I'm in my truck and I've got Dino McNeely, the executive chef from Oak Tree National, and we're driving out to western Oklahoma today to go cub hunting for two days. So. Uh,
1: it's it's a boys trip. What can I tell you? That is beautiful stuff. Now. Anyone who doesn't know Gino should know Gino because he's a legendary chef out at Oak Tree National. And not only is he some chef that just cooks for the members in the grill in there, he's cooking Thanksgiving dinners for all the members, you know, during Thanksgiving, Christmas time. He's working all around the clock, cooking dinners for everybody. This guy, when I say a top-notch chef, he's an absolute legend of a chef. Now, Gino, I gotta ask, like, What is your favorite thing to cook, and and how did you even get into being a chef, not only for a restaurant, but for a golf course? Well, I always liked to cook as a kid.
0: I plucked out of college, so I went to culinary school, and uh, I just enjoy it. I've been at Oak Tree for 15 years now, and uh, I really like to barbecue, to be honest, but uh, I can do a little bit of everything. Well, when he says he can do a little bit of everything, Sam, that's an understatement. Uh, Gino and I first met each other in 2004 at Ghilardi, or 2002, excuse me. He reminded me. 2002, when I was at Ghilardi as the director of golf, he came in as our chef, and we've been buddies ever since. I've always said, if you had a rhinoceros, Gino McNeely could cook it, and it tastes good. (laughs) I mean, the only thing he won't cook for me Sam is a goose he says a goose isn't <laughs> worth messing with don't even try to cook a goose but other than that buddy he's cooked stuff for me that I don't know what it was but it was always good that's all I can tell you so that's why we're bringing him on this hunt in we killed some doves we want him to cook them for us, and we know
1: he can. <laughs> That's good stuff. Now, Gino, you have the menu up at Oak Tree National, but I feel like anyone can go in there and ask for what they want. Now, how do you guys do that behind the scenes? Do you, do, I mean, I feel like you guys just have an entire Walmart back there that you can just cook up whatever the, the member wants.
0: We do that, Sam. It, uh, if we have it, we'll go cook it for them and try to make them happy.
1: That's good stuff. He's
0: always trying to make everybody happy, Sam. But the problem when Tino makes you happy is your pants don't fit anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you don't really want to go hit balls. You just kind of want to sit in there as well.
0: No. No, you want to just roll over and take a nap. (laughs) It kills me. I just just don't – I can't deal with him anymore. That's why I'm glad I don't have to work with him every day like I used to because I gained so much weight. I said, I got to quit. I got to get out of here.
1: Oh, man, that's good stuff. Now – Gino, you're going to be in the car during this first segment, so if you have anything to add to any of these golf discussions, feel free to just jump in anytime you want. Um, but Woody, we got to start. With the, <laughs> no doubt. Woody, we got to start with the Walker Cup. Uh, the U.S. rallied to win their fourth straight Walker Cup. This was at St. Andrews, obviously in Scotland, and I guess we got to start, Woody, with Gordon Sargent. Who lived up to the billing as the number one amateur in the world, obviously, from Vanderbilt? We kind of debated all year last year. Is it Ludwig Aberg or Gordon Sargent? Who's the best in college golf? Ludwig really kind of took the handle of the number one player in college golf last year. But now it's solely Gordon Sargent's and he won all four of his matches at St. Andrews. And like I said, the US goes on to win their fourth straight at St. Andrews. GB and I would he actually had a three point lead headed into the final two sessions at the old course, and three Americans won three of the first four morning foursomes, and they poured it on during the ten singles matches, and they end up going on to win by a final score of 14.5 to 11.5. Woody, what were your thoughts on the Walker Cup at St. Andrews this week?
0: Well, I thought Gordon Sargent, just like you said, I mean, he stepped to the plate. I was interested. You know, that first day when we got behind, team got behind pretty good. Our U.S. Amateur champion just got his fanny handed it to him by the young man from over there. I think he got beat 6-5 uh, in one of their first matches. So, uh, you know what was really kind of cool about it, Sam, is playing at St. Andrews is such a unique experience. And I think a lot of those kids were a little bit nervous a little bit kind of an uh, awe, and it took them a minute to kind of get their feet on the ground. But boy, oh, once they did, when they hit the final, they were singles. It doesn't look like it was very close, but it really was. But the, the Americans just went great when they went to singles in those last sports matches.
1: You talked about Nick Dunlap, the USAM champion, who picked up that key half point. You know, Dunlap was three down with four to play against Barclay Brown, and then he won the next two holes and then got that birdie on 18 to get that clutch half point there for the US. Caleb Surratt, uh, who a lot of people have, you know, remembered from the US junior, he never trailed in the lead in that match, won three and two over Callum Scott, who... Yes, he's from GB&I, but he plays his college golf at Texas Tech, just how Ludwig Aberg did. This Walker Cup is really interesting, leading up to the Ryder Cup, and... I feel like a lot of people kind of learn these names for the first time. You know, you were an elite golfer, not only in junior golf, but amateur golf and then professional golf as well. Tell the people out there how big of an honor being on a Walker Cup team is and, and really explain to the people that it really is the amateur version of the Ryder Cup. This is a huge deal that I feel like should get probably more publicity than it does.
0: Yeah, that was, that was another one of my one times. I was kind of sad. Uh, I was kind of close to getting on a Walker Cup team. In 78, I had a real good year. I won the Southern Amateur. I won the State Amateur in Oklahoma. I finished second in the Southeastern Amateur. I really had a pretty good run where I was being considered. Even the, the United States Golf Association sent a letter to me saying, hey, you're being considered as a Walker Cup member. And to play for your country I would think would be the greatest honor ever possible whether it's in the Olympics or in a Walker Cup or a Ryder Cup so I've always been very blessed of the guys that have got to do it and uh you know there's a lot of guys that get to play Walker Cups and Ryder Cups and I can't even imagine being that lucky to get to do both I didn't get a chance to do it Sam I wish I would have the closest thing I ever got to do was uh to play on the PTA team against another group of Europeans, but it wasn't the same as the Walker Cup or a Ryder Cup, I promise you.
1: No doubt about it. And speaking of Ludvig Aberg, who we just talked about, you know, obviously Gordon Sargent will kind of take that number one spot away from Ludvig Aberg, but he just got picked by the European squad by Luke Donald for the Ryder Cup. And what he their captain's picks were Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Sepp Straka, Ludwig Aberg, and Nikolai Hoygaard. What were your thoughts on Hoygaard and Aberg getting in to the Ryder Cup over a guy like Adrian Moronk? We
0: had talked about it. I remember it t and you and I, we were talking about A-Bird back in the summer thinking, oh, man, I hope he doesn't have a good summer because if he does, he's going to get on that team. And we didn't really want him on that team because I think all three of us know how good he really is. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, he's not even played in a major championship yet. He's not done this. He's not done that. Uh, yeah, well, I don't care. I mean, he is just – you You watched him play, Sam. You told me. He is just a beast. How he can hit that golf ball, and how he's so mature for twenty-one, twenty-two years old. Okay, so I think it's a bad thing for the U.S. team that Luke Donald picked him. That's what I think. And, and granted, I feel sorry for the other gentleman, Morocco. You said his name. I'm not that good with the Europeans. I kind of was saying to you before we came on the on the show that I feel like. That's the same thing as Shane Lower getting picked and the being set at home was Keegan Bradley being left off for Justin Thomas. I think we could have easily said Shane didn't deserve it in order to Justin Thomas, but yet those captains felt like they were the best two that they wanted on their team. So there you have it.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned Adrian Moronk, who won the Australian, Irish, and Italian Opens. Uh, by the way, that Italian Open was on Marco Simoni, the course that the Ryder Cup will be on. Um, he also had five other top tens and is third on the race to Dubai. So he definitely played great. In 2023, um, when I look at a guy like Ludwig Aberg, I think he is more than qualified to be on this team. I agree with you that I think it came down more to if you're just going based off merit and prior success at the Ryder Cup, it came down to Shane Lowry and Adrian Moronk as opposed to Ludvig Aberg and Adrian Moronk. When I look at Ludwig Aberg, what he's done in 2023. He won the Prestige, which is a college event, the Valspar Collegiate. He won the Big 12s. He won the Norman Regional. And then he went on to finish tied for fourth at the John Deere when he turns pro. Not only that, but he finished top 25 at the Travelers. He finished tied for fourth at the Czech Masters, and then he wins the Omega European Masters, and that's the win that probably got him on this team. I have no problem with Ludwig Aberg being on the team. When I look at Shane Lowry's stats, Woody, it hasn't been a great year. It's similar to kind of what we talked about with Justin Thomas, but You know, he still had nine top 20s. He only had one top five. And the reason why he hasn't been playing as well as he did last year when he had 12 top 20s and four top fives and a win is the putting. He's not putting as well in 2023, but he does have a solid Ryder Cup record. So if you were the captain, it's sounding like you would go with the solid current form. But to me, what he... Shane Lowry versus Adrian Moronk, who would be another first-timer to go along with three of the first-timers that they already picked. I think they had to put some veteran presence on that team, and some people might call me a hypocrite for saying this because I was so against Justin Thomas being on the U.S. side, but that's different because I feel like the level of players that the U.S. was missing out on by putting Justin Thomas on the team, that was my bigger problem. I just think that adding Adrian Moronk to Hoygaard and Aberg and Sepp Straka was a first-timer as well, and obviously Robert, Robert McIntyre as well, but he was in the top six locked in. What were your thoughts on current form versus prior Ryder Cup success? I'm
0: kind of like you. I I, I think it's very important to have guys with a experience, especially if they have a Rover Cup experience. So where I feel sorry for Moronk that he's not on that team because I think he deserved to be on that team. I mean he, he's kinda like Keegan Bradley to me or or Cameron Young for that matter. Okay? You know, we had you said it we had a lot deeper as far as who we could choose from with the experience. I mean we had Keegan Bradley at two two different times. Ryder Ryder Cup and we left him at home, Luke Donald did not have that luxury, Sam. You're exactly right. Luke Donald, he had to really consider and he he made that decision. I've got to go with a guy that has played the Ryder Cup. I've got to go with a little bit of experience. I know he's not in top form right now, but the way this European team stocks up, it's going to be really difficult for the Americans. I really do believe that. Even if, even if Justin Thomas has a good week, okay, I think it's going to be a very difficult situation for us to win this Ryder Cup when you threw Aberg on there and you've got the other first five, six guys playing so good for them right now. So, you know, Sam, I'm not going to question what Luke Donald did. I think what he did was the right thing. I'm too late now to question what Zach Johnson did. I've got to go with his thoughts. I've got to believe what he thinks the best player is Justin Thomas. And we just got to hope that everybody plays really good golf in two weeks.
1: No doubt. And then you have Nikolai Hoygaard, who was playing on the DP World Tour last year, started playing on the PGA Tour in 2023. He finished second at Punta Cana. He finished tied for sixth at the Genesis Scottish Open, which, remember, was a PGA Tour event this year. And then you had the tied for 14th at the Wyndham, but he really got on the team the last few weeks when he finished third at the Czech Masters and finished tied for fifth at that European Masters that Aberg ended up winning. Nikolai Hoygaard's an interesting guy because in the 2023 majors this year, he only finished 23rd and 50th, but he gained over a full shot putting in each of those events, which was actually his two best putting performances of the year in the, his two biggest events. I think that probably factored into why they picked him as well. That European team is really solid from, you know, one to six, but the bottom half of the lineup probably isn't going to play in the best ball and the alternate shot that much. I think that they picked him strictly for match play, and when you think about match play, you think about great putters, right? Woody and this guy definitely can get hot with the putter at the right time. Well, that's going to be the big decision
0: here for Luke Donald. Who is he going to play as newcomers? What is he going to do with those rookies? Okay, Is he going to put him with a Rom or a McElroy or a Victor? Or is he going to put two rookies out together? It would shock me if he put two rookies out together. I would be unbelievably blown away if he does that. So I think what he will do is what Zach Johnson will do. He's going to see how these guys play this golf course. He's playing the best that week. And then he's going to load them up and he's going to run them hard, and that's what he should do. That's the same thing Zach Johnson should do. If we've only got eight or nine guys playing really good and we got three or four guys not playing very good, he's got to put those guys on the bench, Sam. And it's not an easy thing to do, but you got to put them on the bench and let them watch and then play them when you have to, which is usually in the very end in singles. And then hope like heck they either draw the best player on the other team and it's a Sacred Cow or they have to get one of the guys that's not playing very good, they win. So the, the Ryder Cup, I, I'm glad it's every two years because it's really hard for me to watch. I get very emotional. I get really pissed off when we do stupid things or they do great things. So I think the Ryder Cup from, a, a, let's say, a, a group of individuals that's never watched golf, it'd be really fun for them to watch it. I really believe that. It's a lot more entertaining than regular golf, in my opinion.
1: Woody, I mean, when we look at this European team, to me, the reason why I am picking the Europeans is because their top six to seven is so good and in such good current form. Rory McIlroy, this is his seventh appearance in the Ryder Cup. You can say what you want about Rory off the course, but on the course, Rory McElroy has been extremely solid, especially in Ryder Cups. Uh, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, Robert McIntyre, he was locked in, but then... Two of the picks, I think, will play a whole lot, you know, in this Ryder Cup at Rome. Tommy Fleetwood and Justin Rose, who, by the way, Justin Rose, this is his sixth Ryder Cup appearance. I think you're going to see Rory and Rom, Hovland, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, and Rose in those best ball and alternate shot matches. And then the other guys might just play, you know, in singles, or at least that's how I would start it off, Woody, is say, this is what we're going with, and then if one of you guys starts playing bad, we might sub you out. But to me, you have to roll with your studs if you're going to beat the U.S.
0: Well, I think in a little bit you're right there, but, boy, you're really rolling the dice there, Sam, not giving these guys, these rookies, any chance to play, to hold them you know, at will and still singles. I don't think Luke Donald will do that. I really don't. I, I, I would be shocked. I know, I know with the guys he's got, Fleetwood Fleetwood and Rose, especially those guys, have a lot of experience on Ryder Cup, but you've got to get those other guys in the in the in the mix somehow, some way. You just they need to get their feet wet, to say, because that Ryder Cup is so emotional, and that's what i was saying to you. Those crowds and everything—it's not like anything these guys have ever done. I'm telling you, it will not be like any golf event they've ever played in. And if you keep them on the bench you know, the first two days and don't let any of them play. Boy, I think he I just don't see that. I did not see Luke doing that. I wouldn't blame him if he did because of what you just brought up. But, boy, I think he's going to get him out there. I really do, Sam. I'm sorry, but I think he's going to play him.
1: Yeah, and you're probably right. And that might be one of the reasons why you saw Shane Lowry picked because he might be playing with Rory McIlroy, you know, the Ireland squad, right? Ireland and Northern Ireland there. Um That could be one of the reasons why you saw Shane Lowry picked as well. You'll hear from Victor Hovland after the break. I think there's a really solid chance you're going to see Victor Hovland and Tyrrell Hatton. Maybe even a Victor Hovland and Matthew Fitzpatrick. I think you could see Matty Fitz play with Tommy Fleetwood or Justin Rose. Have that UK pairing there as well and you compare John Rom with just about anybody considering how well he strikes the ball and he really has no weaknesses in his game, maybe throw in the Gayberg or Hoygard one of those young guys, and, and see what they can do. But I think you're going to see Hovland and Hatton. I'm really excited to see that. I think you'll probably see Rory and Shane Lowry at some point and Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood at some point. But other than that, do you have anything else to add about what possible pairings we might see for the European side?
0: If I was Lyft Donald, I wouldn't pair one of those young rookies in an alternate shot. I'd put them out in a ball type format. And the reason why is you and I, we've all played ball. There's a little bit more bonding there from the standpoint of your kind of a team. That alternate shot can get ugly. That alternate shot, when you hit some crooked balls, you can quick see how guys get a little irritated with each other. And I don't think a rookie needs that pressure on top of everything else but I'm kind of like you, Sam. I was going to tell you, I know that's hard to believe, but I kind of like Europe, too, and I like Europe for two reasons. I think they're playing better golf right now, and the more I thought about it, I don't have a dog in the fight, except I do have one dog that's really a good guy, and he's an oak tree, and he he's such a gentleman, and I really like him, and that's Victor Hoblin. So, you know what? I don't like Rory McIlroy, but i really like Victor Hoblin. <laughs> and there's nobody on that American team that I'm even buddies with, buddy. So why the heck should I pull for this?
1: Now don't so, don't say that we I do we do that. love Scott Tway for the record. We love Scott Tway.
0: Okay, well Scott's not actually playing. That's okay, fair. So you're right. I forgot about Scott Tway. I yeah, now I might no, I still gotta go with the Europeans this time. I really want Victor to get one. I really do. That'd just be the perfect end for him. Would it not be to, to be on the winning Ryder Cup team with all he's done? The only thing he's missing is the major. and that's coming
1: next year. No doubt about it. Let's not hold the listeners up any longer, Woody. How about we just hear from the FedEx Cup champion, Victor Hovland, on his thoughts leading up to this 2023 Ryder Cup over in Europe? If you have not already subscribed to the 73rd Hole podcast, definitely make sure and go do so. Follow button on Apple and Spotify, and you can catch us on the sportsanimal.com podcast page and golf. Oklahoma.org as well, where you can see all of the great local golf stories. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a great job up in Tulsa. Like I said, let me not hold you up any longer. Victor Hovland after the break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole.
0: Hey, everyone.
2: T-Dub here. want to take a second to tell you about my good friends,
1: We are back on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf, Oklahoma. And now we are joined by a very special guest and this guest needs no introduction, but I'll give him one. Anyways, 2018 national champ he's a 2018 usam champ now five years later he's the hottest golfer in the world after winning the hero the memorial the bmw and the tour championship meaning that he also won the fedex cup in 2023 the norwegian by way of oklahoma state university victor hovland Javi, thank you for coming on the show today
2: Yeah, thanks, Sam. I like that introduction. That that sounded pretty good. (laughs) I appreciate (laughs) it. Uh,
1: Well, Javi, I mean, now that you've been back in Oklahoma for a week, I guess we'll start with: Have you been able to kind of sit back and enjoy and process what you just accomplished over the past few weeks, and tell us, you know, what this week has been like after the biggest wins of your career?
2: Yeah, the the last few weeks were pretty stressful being in in obviously in contention for you know longer period. It felt like every single Round that I had to get up for and and play. It was, it was stressful and it it meant a lot. So it was really nice to just come back and I haven't been back in Oklahoma in probably three months. So I've played a little bit of golf with the guys at Oak Tree or at Karsten. Uh, and I've just kind of. Just kind of keeping things tidy, but other than that, I've I've put some hours in on the
1: couch. So that's been that's been pretty nice. No doubt about it. And you had that awesome celebration up there at Oak Tree. That was really cool to see everybody up there. Victor, yeah. you know, when we talk about your season this year in 2023, you had the tied for third at the players, the seventh at the masters, tied for second at the PGA. Zero missed cuts in 2023, I might add, which is just ridiculous. Um, did you learn anything about yourself or your game being in contention at some of those biggest events this year that propelled you to finally break through at the memorial? And then once you won at the memorial, did it feel like you kind of figured out a formula to win?
2: Um, I, I would say the work that I've done with with, uh, Joe Mayo um, earlier in the year, i would kind of seen the improvements very quickly. And I'd say kind of, when I finished third at the Players, when I had that top 10 at the Masters and finished second at PGA, I felt like a lot of the pieces were already there. I had taken multiple steps in the right direction and I felt like I've learned a lot. Uh, It just didn't kind of, pan out uh in those tournaments and I don't know I feel like this last part of the season I kind of took the the last few steps maybe mentally and I put the course management together and then just allowed my game to to play and uh obviously had things going going my way but um yeah it just felt like I kind of had the pieces in there already from the start for this or kind of middle part of the season. And last part of the season, it just felt like things came together and I finally got the the wins that uh, I was looking at.
1: Javi, as we lead up to the Ryder Cup, obviously you were on that heater, winning the BMW and the Tour Championship, FedEx Cup, obviously. Um, but now you got some time off leading up to the Ryder Cup. Uh, what do these next few weeks in preparation look like? Do you set the clubs down for a couple weeks after all that, or how do you kind of keep yourself on this heater that you've been on
2: yeah i I have a hard time just putting away the clubs completely um i I always like to do something you know just uh i don't have to be out there grinding for six to eight hours a day or however many hours it might be but i like to be out there and just hit a couple balls make sure that okay my stroke's still good i still got the touch around the greens and that's kind of the most important part just kind of keep things going make sure that um you know I don't lose it now that I'm I'm in a pretty good spot um but I am actually doing some some ball testing right now um I've kind of not that I'm (laughs) it sounds a little weird but I've kind of had an issue with my irons where the ball hasn't been spinning quite enough so that was a very hard adjustment for me even in the playoffs here because the ball my irons were basically going 10 yards further than it has been just because it wasn't spinning enough and it was very difficult to to pick the right club I mean it just I would it would feel like I would under club on every single shot and the ball would just still go past the pin. so it was it was hard to predict I'm testing out a new ball that's going to give me a little bit spin uh with the iron so I'm just kind of testing that out right now
1: well that's good stuff Javi we'll definitely have to keep an eye on what you put into play at the Ryder Cup. Heading into this year's Ryder Cup, do you feel like the Europeans maybe have a chip on their shoulder and maybe something to prove after what happened in 21 with the U.S. putting on that dominant performance? And what things did you learn being a Ryder Cup rookie in 21 that you can try to improve in 23?
2: I think uh, Team Europe has a slight chip on our shoulders. uh, But at the same time, We're playing at home, and I think I saw a stat the other day where we have not lost at home since 1993. So I guess there's some pressure there as well. It's like uh, going back to, for example, the national championship we played at Carson in college. We had it at home, and sure, that's an advantage, but at the same time, you're playing in front of your fans and you have a good season. You you almost expect to win, and there's almost uh, an increase in pressure that way. so it kind of goes both ways. I feel like, guys. In terms of what I learned from, from the past Ryder Cup, it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was an unbelievably stressful situation to be in because it feels like every single shot you hit is life or death, basically. And to be completely honest, I I did not putt very well last Ryder Cup, and I did not chip the ball very well. I I hit the ball really nicely. And I felt like my game was in a good spot, but it was hard to put points on the board and have those clutch moments when I didn't have a short game that I completely trusted, and just didn't make enough clutch putts. And uh, it's it's hard. I mean, we hear about momentum and how important that is, but it's it it really makes a big difference if you don't feel like you can make those putts and get those up uh, those shots up and down. I mean, it just sucks the momentum out the year round and uh that's that's kinda how I lost some of my matches last time around. So uh, I feel like this time around I can be a lot calmer. If I hit one bad shot, it's not a big deal. I can get that next ball up and down and and flip the momentum into my way instead
1: of just kind of giving it away. And uh in Max play I just think that's such a big deal. No doubt about it, and you definitely have the short game now, having the best year on and around the greens of your career, so leading into the Ryder Cup, I mean, who do you want to team up with the most in this Ryder Cup, and uh, who would you most like to play in singles in Rome? Yeah, I uh, haven't given it much thought, uh, to
2: be honest with you, because the last few guys that were kind of looking for picks and and stuff, it's kind of been up in the air, so I wasn't sure what the uh, what the final lineup was going to be, but I really I really enjoy being around Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, I think uh, us two would make a great great team, and then Fitzpatrick I get along with well. I think we would make a good team, and and uh, I play with Tommy two best balls uh, last time around, and I really enjoy his company as well. So, but uh, as it you know pertains to the whole team, the whole team is just a good group of guys. So if uh, if uh, the captain wants me to play with somebody, I'm I'm all in. So um I I'm yeah, pretty pumped to play. As in terms of uh singles who I want to face. Uh I, I really don't know. I'd like to uh what was so fun last time around is that I got to play against Colin and we both played really, really well. I think we maybe shot a best ball fifty nine and we tied the match. I would have liked to have won. Um but it's one of those things you want to go out there and play against the best player on their team and you, you both are playing great golf, but then you just edge them out, hopefully. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, I just, I just like to play against whoever's playing pretty sweet, uh, at the time.
1: No doubt. I I figured that that question would be harder for you. It'd be easier for the Americans because I feel like you would be on the bottom of the list considering how well you've played of guys (laughs) that they want to play right now. Uh, Javi, one last question and we'll let you get out of here. You're a busy man right now. I think our OSU fans will appreciate this question. Y'all won the 2018 Natty. You still live in Stillwater. Uh, in my opinion, after what has transpired this summer, you're already the greatest to come out of Oklahoma State. And you're only 25, almost 26. I'm curious because I don't think I've ever heard this story. How does Coach Bratton convince a young Norwegian to come to Oklahoma State? And then what makes that young Norwegian fall in love with Stillwater, Oklahoma, so much that he still lives in that college house even after he won the FedEx Cup, Hobby. Yeah, yeah. Um-
2: well, first of all, that's, that's high praise. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, still got to get, still got to get one of those majors. So we're working on you that. Will. You um, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, no, I, uh, I remember I went to Scotland for a tournament called the European boys team championships, and this was in 2013. And I remember team Norway, we had a great team and basically, so there's 15 teams and, Every single team brings their top six from the country. So basically you have, you know, 75, 80 players, the the top 80 juniors in Europe go to this tournament. So a bunch of the college uh, coaches will travel over there to watch. And I remember Coach Bratton was over there just to watch, basically Christopher Ventura, who was on my team. Uh, And he was a couple years older than me, but I happened to play in front of him. And I remember – playing against one of the guys that won the stroke play. And I think I was seven up through 10. So coach saw that. And I guess I made an impression on him and Christopher Ventura ended up going to Oklahoma state. And two years later, when he was a sophomore, I, um, uh, or a few years later down the road, I ended up going for a visit, Uh, visited multiple schools, but I came over and, and just kind of seen still water and, in flesh and blood and, and, uh, just hearing what the daily routines were. Okay. Get up this time, go to school for a couple of hours. And then it's basically just at the golf course all day and just hearing all the history that's been around here, meeting all the alumni and and just the people around the school that have been a part of the program, hearing them just talk about it. Uh, it was more, it, it honestly, like it sounds cheesy, but it felt like, most other schools it was okay what can this program do for me and when you're around in in stillwater in oklahoma state it's it's okay how can i contribute to to this program it, it it's almost like this reverse feel like there's so much passion and and joy when you talk about the program that it was uh yeah i just thought it was uh, an awesome fit
1: yeah, and I mean, what what's your daily life look like when you go back home? I know you're traveling every every week, but why why do you love Oklahoma so much? Yeah, I think it's just a, a great uh, combination of okay, my life
2: is very very busy on the road. It's constantly doing stuff, constantly traveling, constantly practicing, and doing something that um, Oklahoma. Even though I do play a lot of golf when I'm home, it's just it's a perfect spot to just take your mind off of anything. And, um, yeah, uh, you're surrounded with just great people. And even though I'm out there playing golf, it's, it's more relaxed, having a lot of fun and, and, and talking crap. So it's, uh, it's just the perfect place to just kind of, um, recharge the batteries and, and everything is so convenient. And, uh, yeah, that's, it's great.
1: Well, Javi, we really appreciate you taking the time today. And just know that even though we are in America, here in Oklahoma, I guarantee you that the majority of the state is going to be rooting on the European and Victor Hovland up at the Ryder Cup in Rome. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And Javi, we got to get you on over the offseason. We'll ask you some more stuff, get Woody and Taylor on here. But we really appreciate you taking the time before the Ryder Cup here. I know you're busy. Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me on, Sam. We'll, uh, we'll have to uh, do it again some other time. Yes, sir. That's Victor Hovland, the FedEx Cup champion, here on the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.